Hi, and welcome to Studying the Steps, where we take a deeper dive into the 12 steps. In each episode, an alcoholic woman in recovery helps us study individual steps as outlined in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Through her experience and knowledge of working the program, she gives insight on how to apply and practice the spiritual principles being studied. This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at MagdalenHouse.org. Please note, the curriculum we teach through our programs at Maggie's is from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. However, we are not an Alcoholics Anonymous group, and we are not associated with AA. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. My name is Stephanie Crawford, and I am the program manager here at Next Step, as well as I get to host our podcast, Recover Out Loud. And so today we'll be doing studying the steps, and I'm going to be introducing our speaker, Kat A., I will let her decide if she wants to use her last name. She is one of our top, her recovered episode was one of our top 10 episodes of 2020. So you can go and if you just love everything she says today so much that you want to hear more from her, you can go to our website and find her recovered episode. But for our listeners, I will also post that link to the show notes. And so today Kat is joining us all the way from Colorado and she's going to be talking to us about step 11. So I'm just going to turn it over and then get it, turn it over. Um, anyways, Uh. maybe I was the only one who thought that was funny and, um, just let her start and I'll jump in if needed. So thank you, Kat. All right. So my name is Catherine and I'm a recovered alcoholic. I have been sober for 10 years or so. And I am talking about step 11 and step 11 is an odd step. There's a lot of, I think, confusion around it. And it, and I think understandably so, because the text of step 11 says sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out, which I think is like, actually a little unclear. Uh, Fortunately, we have a lot more information in the big book to explain what that means. And then also we have, you know, our sponsors to turn to and our own experience with the step that allows us to kind of explore it, to back up and, and just kind of do like a previously on. Before we get to step 11, we've done 10 other steps. So step one, you know, admitted we were powerless over alcohol in our body and our mind that I can't control my drinking. Once I start, I can't stay away from it when I'm stone cold sober and that my life's unmanageable because of, of that, because I can't stay away from the drinking. Um, and if that's the case, the position of the book, my experience and the experience of a lot of other people is that anything on the earth isn't going to help me, which is, was really bad news for me because I wasn't real down with the whole God thing. Like I was just kind of like, that's cool for everybody else, but it's not going to work for me. And step two sort of skirts around that a little bit. It says came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, which 
is a little, a weird sort of, if you want to get real nerdy about it, tense usage of came to believe. So it's more like a future perfect statement of this is what's going to happen by the time that we get to the end of the steps. Um, but step two is just that a power could do it, just that maybe. Um, and that's really kind of where I was at step two. I was like, well, yeah, sure, maybe there's a God, like probably not, but there could be. And then step three was, well, I'm, I'm kind of out of other options. And this lady who's telling me about this stuff seems to kind of know what she's doing. And and she doesn't seem to have an issue with drinking anymore. And, and she's been sober for a long time and she doesn't really think about drinking. She does not think about drinking. Like it's just not a challenge for her where she has to like try not to drink every day. And I was like, well, if anything's going to work, it's going to be that. So I'll sure I'll give it a shot. And, and step three says made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Well, in step three, I didn't really understand God at all. So mostly I was just making a decision. And even if I did, I wasn't capable of doing that in step three. It's the rest of the steps that are designed to sort of help me develop the ability to connect with God, to understand what God wants from me and to carry that out. And they work in a specific order. So before I get to step 11, I've done a four, which is a list of a bunch of stuff that's blocking me off from God. I've done a five where I've gone over that list with another person and sort of confronted it with, you know, honesty and, and rigorousness and, and accountability because, you know, like I can lie to myself quite a bit about whether or not I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing, but it's harder when another person is there kind of telling me like, yeah, I think maybe that you're lying to yourself a little bit. And then uh, started my sort of meditation life in step five. So in step five, there's an hour that we spend sort of contemplating what we've done. Um, and I've had some really powerful experiences in step five. And in that hour that, you know, it was step five where I was kind of like, well, yeah, sure. Maybe there's a God. I mean, I haven't kept myself sober like <laughs> for this, like whatever, 30 days it was the first time that I did a fourth step. and. Um, Six and seven are, uh, six is about willingness to have God sort of take the bad parts of me away and a humility and knowing that I can't do it myself, right? So step seven is about humility. It's asking God to take the good and the bad because I'm not going to be able to wake up in the morning and not be selfish. Like I just, I am who I am. And if I'm going to change, I need God to help me do that. Eight, it's a list of all the people that we've harmed. Um, and it's, it's important to go out and clean up what I've done in the past, but through these steps, I'm developing skills that I'm going to use for the rest of my life. So as I go out and I start making my amends in, in nine, I'm relying on God a lot. I'm, I'm asking God for strength. I'm asking God for direction because these are really hard things to do and doing them right is really important. And the only way that I know that I'm doing my amends right is if I'm following what God and my sponsor are telling me to do, because if I don't do that, like I'm going to mess some stuff up, like, and it's going to be bad stuff because I'm in that sort of, you know, open wound of life where I've hurt people and I've been emotional about it. They've been emotional about it. And the opportunity to create a lot of damage is pretty high. Like I need a lot of help. I need help from God. I need help from my sponsor and I need strength. And I'm doing things that I never thought I would ever be able to do before in my life. And then step 10 is when I take all of those, those sort of practices or those habits that I've been developing and I start 
doing them every day, right? Like I got really mad about something on Saturday that was sort of stupid and sort of not stupid. And I snapped at somebody and I owe that guy amends. And um, I asked God to remove it. And I called my sponsor and I went to go help somebody. And I still owe that guy amends. Probably going to have to do that tonight. So I, you know, I look at why am I resentful about this? Why am I fearful? And I ask God for help in that, in that sort of practice. So by the time I get to 11, I'm already practicing prayer. I'm talking to God and I'm already practicing meditation. So I'm already listening. So these things that I thought I would never be able to do, or that I was just weird and, you know, for other people, I'm already doing. Step 11 says sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God in a number of other things. And it gets into detail about that in the book. And I'm going to just read out of the book for a little bit because there's a lot of stuff to talk about here. It's only like two and a half pages, but it starts on page 85 and it says much has already been said about really receiving strength, which we got in step nine inspiration and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, so that's about following the steps we have begun, it's just a beginning to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense, but we must go further. And that means more action. So it's prepping step 11. So step 11 isn't like a sit around and sort of feel step step. Like it's a step in which we're doing things, right? It's so a step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than us are using it constantly. It works if we have, there's a condition here, if we have the proper attitude and, and work at it, it would be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. So they're going to give us some practical advice, which we've already been getting up until this point about when to turn to God, how to talk to God, and when to listen to God. It's not this sort of flimsy thing where it's like you're just supposed to do it every once in a while. It's like there are times when you're supposed to say specific prayers and listen for specific directions. And they've outlined that already. They've done a lot of it in step four and five. So it starts at night. And the the saying about this is because as you're doing your steps and you start, you know, doing nine and 10, you're going to start doing 11 at night. You wouldn't start doing it in the morning. So it says, when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. We are, were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? And probably, you know, if you're like a person, if you're not a person, then you may not have felt those things. I don't know. Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another at one, person at once? So that's, have you not tent stepped something that you were supposed to tent step, right? And this nightly inventory is the 11th step, right? The inventory of step 10, we do all through the day, every day. And there's always, I always run into confusion around that with different people. And, and the truth of the matter is like, I'm not here to tell anybody that they're doing it wrong. If it's working for them, that's cool. Um, the way that I was taught the book was that we do a 10 through the day and 11 at night. And this inventory is part of 11, right? Were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? My answer to that question is always yes. Because like, like I'm going to be the primary person I am thinking about pretty much every day of the week, no matter what. If somebody's figured out how to not do that, let me know, please. That'd be great. 
Uh, or were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? And my sponsor once told me something that really helped clarify this for me. And it's that were other people's days better because I was in them? Right? That's the question, right? And that goes for everybody, like from coworkers to my family, to the guy at the store, to the guy at the gas station. And that's a high bar. It's not that, you know, you're going to be perfect and you're just going to be a ray of sunshine every day. But it's definitely something to think about. Like, did I make other people's days better? Did I not affect them? Did I kind of make them worse? Was I kind of like not fun to be around? Like, what was I like today? And then it gives us a really important caution. And that's a little bit of what, like, when I talk through this stuff, I'm like, you know, like, you're going to mess this up, like the steps, you're going to mess up the steps. You are not going to do the steps perfect. And that's true of this one too. And it's okay. It says, but we must not be, we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection for that would diminish our usefulness to others. So that's what it's saying there. You know, you're just kind of, it's like we learned how to do this in step five when we were confronting the ways that we haven't been the person we want to be, but we're not beating ourselves up over it, right? We're being objective. Okay, I could have done that better. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. And that could be an amends. It could be, I need to call my sponsor in the morning and please don't call your sponsor at 11 o'clock at night to tell them, oh, I didn't 10 step this thing today. Please don't call them like three times at 11 o'clock at night because that is going to freak them out. (laughs) Just call them in the morning, let them know it's okay. And sometimes it's, you know, I need to go make an amends to somebody or, or something like that. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm absolute crap at the nighttime review. There's this lady here that I, I really like a lot. And she's like, it's like a year ago, I met her and she's like, I started really doing my nighttime review and it changed everything. And I'm like, I should do that. And there's been times that I've been really good about it. I've done it every day. I've written it down. There've been times that I've been really bad at it. Um, I'm really bad at doing stuff at like 9.30 at night. If it's like eight, I can do it. If it's 9.30, forget it. Like all I want to do is go to sleep or watch TV. So I always end up like, I'll I'll do it, but like I just kind of think through it and it's kind of like not always great. And then sometimes I get better. Don't be like me. Be better than me. So I just can't like not lie about that. Um, So... Uh, my sponsor is probably going to listen to this and be like, yep, that sounds about right. So you're welcome, Lisa. I was honest. The other part of, of step 11 that it talks about is in the morning. It says on awakening. So I'm really good at this. I am excellent at doing this one. It says, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking. So if you're if you're really good about this, you say this like, hey, God, please direct my thinking before you get out of bed, because like that'll really straighten you out before you even had coffee. That's a really hard thing to do. But if you can do it, I highly recommend it. My sponsor has talked a lot about getting on your knees straight out of bed. I've done that. It's not my favorite. I'm not a big on your knees praying person. It's just not for me. I'm much more of a sit on the couch and just be quiet kind of person. But everybody's different, but it it just doesn't help me get connected at all. But other people, it does. And it puts them in a position of humility, right? Because I'm just human. Like I, I'm, I'm flawed. I'm, I'm not capable of things. Like I need help. 
Um, and that's one of the powerful parts of it, right? It says, before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity. That's my favorite part. First thing it mentions is self-pity. Oh, so this book was written about me. You don't say. Uh, self-pity, dishonest. So usually I'm dishonest with myself first before I'm dishonest with other people or self-seeking motives. And self-seeking is hard because I get worried about what I'm going to get or what I'm not going to get, right? What, what are you thinking about me? How am I going to appear? Like, where is that fear coming from? Like self-seeking is, is really a, a real issue. Um, under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance for after all, God gave us brains to use. So we're not mindless automons trying to like, you know, just do what God wants all the time. We're here to, to use what God gave us, whatever our skill set is, right? And it's, it's so funny that this really works because if I do this every day, my thought life is up here. Whereas if I don't do it, I get really mad and fearful about really stupid things. And Walmart in particular is a very treacherous place if I don't do step 11. It is. And, and the, one of the times that I realized like I had to do this every day was because I went to Walmart. I got really, really mad and I 10 stepped it to my sponsor. And my sponsor said, did you do 11 this morning? And I had to say no. Good news is if you forget to do 11 in the morning, you can always redo it later in the day. Or if you do 11 in the morning, but you find you're getting like really mad throughout the day or really upset throughout the day, you can always redo 11 later. It's amazing. It says our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So there's a, a line in the book. It's, it's in how it works where it talks about, I remember reading this when I just got sober and I was like, oh God, this is so right. And I so don't want to be this, right? I think it's on, it's on page 62. It says selfishness, self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles. Cool. Whatever. Here's the line that gets me driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. So those things, fear, self-delusion, self-pity, I don't want to be driven by and step 11 helps me avoid that. And it's so simple, right? All I got to do is just go through these prayers in the morning. Like, it's not magic. And like, I remember, like, I would, like, I would just sit outside the restaurant I was working at my first year of sobriety and like smoke a cigarette and just read them. Like, I didn't have to feel it. I didn't have to like mean it. I just had to read them and it would work, right? Just say the prayers. It'll work. Don't worry about it too much. We try to do things sometimes like super perfect or whatever, like it's got to be this great experience and it doesn't. I just have to go through the action, right? Take the action and the rest will follow. So it says, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. God, I love this part. This helps me so much all the time, right? Here we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. So this is the, oh, this is the part in the book where it really does tell us to take it easy, right? Ask God for help, take it easy. Let the help come, right? Don't try to force it, which we're really good at trying to force it. One of the things that I think about with this program is that it's for people who are just trying too hard. This is a program about not trying too hard. 
Like you just do this stuff and stop trying so hard on the other things and then it all kind of works out. So I've used this a lot, this little thing on here. It says, what used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. And as you do this more and more, it says we have to have the right attitude and work at it, right? So you work at it and, and it just, it's like it's there whether, whether you need it to be or not, right? All of a sudden you're getting those promises of step nine, like, situations which used to baffle us you know they aren't so much of an issue like we just know intuitively what to do and that comes after a practice of just doing this over and over after you've done four through nine and you have cleared all this stuff off that's blocking you off from god it's like there's a channel there that god can communicate through and as you do it more and more you know when it's god and when it's not most of the time it talks about being still and experienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. So you could read that sentence like two ways. One being like, okay, so you're just starting to do the steps. So you're still inexperienced, but also like just waking up and having just made conscious contact with God, you may not be inspired at all times and, and that's okay. But then it says we might pay for this presumption and all sorts of absurd actions and ideas, which you know, if you think like, okay, well, God wants me to do this good thing and it's an absurd action or idea, it can't be that harmful. So it's cool. But there's a line in the 12 and 12 where Bill Wilson talks about sometimes we use this as a way to like in impart what we think God's will is on other people, even though it's not like it's just what we think. So that's something to be careful of. Like you don't know what God's plan is for everybody, right? I don't, God doesn't, I don't know what God thinks is best for everybody. And, and sometimes we have trouble as alcoholics and as people differentiating the two. This is the best because it's the best. Well, like, but who are you? Are you the expert in best? Did you get a best PhD in school? Like, maybe it's not. And the humility around that thinking, I think for me, has helped me a lot. Because <laughs> I'm like a real big know-it-all. None of you are like that, I'm sure, but I'm really bad. It says, nevertheless, we find our thinking will as time passes be more and more on the on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. So it's a little bit of what I was talking about before. So this, it says, we usually conclude the per- period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all throughout the day what our next step is to be, not what I think, what God thinks, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems not like my problems but the problem of like not knowing what to do next we ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only we may ask for ourselves however if others will be helped so like for me what that's often looked like is help me to be free of like being a jerk and like constantly thinking of myself because it really causes me a lot of problems or fear, or dishonesty, or strength to do what I need to do that I don't really want to do. May are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. And our selfish ends could be thinking we know what's best for everybody, right? Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation, which is cool, right? Um, sometimes it's cool to do it with other people. Uh, sometimes it's not, whatever is your deal. If we belong to a religious denomination, which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. 
Um, if not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set of prayers which emphasize the principles we have just been discussing. Uh, so a lot of people do the St. Francis prayer. It's in the 12 and 12 if you want to find it. I always stick the third step prayer and the seven steps prayer in there. There are also other prayers in the book. There's one about the family. There's one about finding alcoholics to help that it recommends putting in there. I'll find the one about the family real quick. It's on page 83. Yeah, here we go. 83. So we clean house with the family asking each morning a meditation that our creator shows the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. Right. And then on page uh, 164, it says, we ask him a morning meditation to show us what we can do for the man who's still sick. I also asked God for help in showing me how to do the job I was hired to do for work. So not the job I think I should be doing, but what is the job I was hired to do? And this is the place where it's like it opens it up to doing whatever you want in addition to, not in place of, but in addition to, right? So... There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. A lot of alcoholics come in here and they're like, oh, religion's terrible, da, 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 da. But it's worked for a lot of people. There are things in there that you can make use of. So make use of it. I have used this app sometimes. It's very Christian, very Bible-y. But it's kind of cool, and I'm not very Christian or very Bible-y, but the cool thing is it goes through like a line from the Bible where it like sort of dissects each word, right? I'm not real Christian. I don't go to church, but I like that app, and I like the, the teachings that it has. So I want to make use of what they offer, right? And then it gives us this really tall order where it says, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. So I often get agitated or doubtful, and this is telling me to remember to pause during those times, which is hard to do, right? It's not normal. Like I always want to kind of rush headfirst at the solution or get out of whatever's making me uncomfortable or do whatever needs to be done. And sometimes that something as stupid as like, should I buy these shoes or should I have this difficult conversation or should I react to this and reacting is what's gotten me in trouble, right? I don't want to just react to what's coming at me. I want to pause and then respond in a way that's not emotional or not self-centered or, you know, that's able to sort of do what God's asked me to do, which is, you know, think about everybody. Um, and that usually ends up with a much better situation for everybody, especially me. Are you an alcoholic woman in recovery? At the Magdalene House, we host 12-step recovery meetings seven days a week, 365 days a year. Whether you're a woman newly sober and wondering where to begin, or you've been in recovery for decades and are looking for other women to connect with, we hope you join us. You can find our meeting schedule and other fellowship opportunities at magdalenehouse.org meetings. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day that I will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, which is kind of a, a weird word. But when I'm real excited about something, it's usually because I'm excited about what I'm going to get. You know, like being happy about something is different than what they're talking about as excitement. Excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. 
we do not tire so easily for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. So sometimes what you'll hear people talk about is that I need to find balance. I need balance. Like, I don't know what that word means, but that's cool. This is telling me that I need to follow what God is telling me to do. And that will give me what I need. Right. I don't need to find it. God will show me. And it will show me how to find more time in the day to get the things done that I need to get done. It will show me how to make sure I'm taking care of everything I need to take care of. But ultimately, I can only do that if I'm putting the program in God first, including through step 11. And that's a little like trying to like throw somebody in the deep end and being like, swim, you know, when you're first doing it because you're just not used to it. And it's really scary to, to like have all this stuff going on at like work or with your family or, or so on and so forth. And to be like, you know what I need to do right now is go help an alcoholic (laughs) because I need to get connected to God so that I'm able to handle all of this stuff in a way that's best for everybody. In my experience, that's how I've been able to find that sort of balance, right? Which is really counterintuitive and hard to trust. It says it works. It really does. We alcoholics are undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined which is a weird word to use, discipline, because it makes me think of like nuns, right, or detention. But a discipline is just a practice that you adhere to, right? It's a, a, something that you do every day, a, a set of actions, a set of things. And that's what the steps are, right? It's a discipline. It's like going to the gym, trying to get in shape or something. Like you've got to go every day and do the same exercises and even when you don't feel like it. And as you do them more and more, you get better at it and you get better at it and you get better at it. It's a discipline, which is a, a really apt word. And, but then it gives us another warning. It says, this is not all. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. And, and where I, I wanted to go with this, and one of the things that I wanted to talk about, especially for those of you who are on step 12, is the importance of instilling this in, in sponsees. because. One of the things that happened with my sponsor, it still happens with my sponsors, they don't tell me what to do. I mean, they tell me to like pray about it and ask God for help. And if that's what God thinks and, you know, cool. Um, and sometimes I'll make mistakes doing that. Uh, I had the sponsor for the first several years of my sobriety who would say, well, like you're either going to make the right decision or you're going to make a mistake and learn from it. When people come into the program, they often want to put their reliance on their sponsors or on their, you know, on meetings. But the whole point of this is to put my reliance on God and to get the strength and, and the inspiration and, and the ability to do stuff with, from God, not my sponsor. So the best thing I can do as a sponsor is to say, like, well, I don't know. <laughs> you should pray about it. See what God says. And to help them develop that practice and that sixth sense and that connection. I don't know what's best for them. I have no idea. And and that's been proven to me when I thought I've known, right? And I I think that, you know, we really want to make sure that their reliance is in the right spot. And I think that's about it for me. I think that's all I have to say about it. Thank you, Kat. Does anybody have any questions? That was great. Because I have questions. I wrote stuff down, but I don't want to. You do? Okay, go ahead, Lydia. Yeah. 
Um, thank you. I know you say like 10 step throughout the day. That's my problem. Like I hold things and I'm like, oh, it's not that bad, you know? And before I knew it, like, like I pray and like at this point, I was like, okay, I'm going to 10 step whatever bothers me at work when people like, you know, I work, I live in Oxford house and stuff like that. But so you're saying like 10 step throughout the day. And then uh, before we, at the end of the night, do a step 11. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, and everybody's good at different things. Like my sponsor would tell you that I'm really good at 10 stepping, but I'm bad at the, end of the night stuff. <laughs> so, you know. It's like, it's, there's nothing good about beating yourself up over it. It's just, you know, go and start doing it as best you can. And then you can even 10 step, if, like, I mean, you can even text your sponsor and then pray about it. If she respond, respond. If not, I guess you can 10 step with any recovered alcoholic. Is that works too? Um, I don't think my sponsor would let me text her, but everybody's different. Um, no. I have a really strong relationship with my sponsor's voicemail. Okay. Like we talk a lot with her. I talk a lot with her voicemail. Like I don't always oh, talk to her. That's good. I just leave it on her voicemail. And if it's something that I really need help with, like I have another alcoholic on my call. Like I, I did have something that really bugged me and I couldn't talk to her about it. I couldn't get past it. Like it was still bothering me, still bothering me, still bothering me. And I called um, actually my old sponsor mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm going to kill this guy. Like what? It helped me. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh, but I'm it's, gonna it's rare. Usually I just leave it on the voicemail. That's what I'm going to do. Thank you so much. That's all I have. Mm-hmm. Lydia, anybody else? Hey, Kat, I do, Stephanie. And this might be a silly question, but if I'm thinking it, maybe someone else's too. So when I first got sober, and even today, my sponsor originally said that when you're meditating, you don't think about anything else. You're literally just clearing your mind and waiting for God to talk to you. I have never been able to accomplish that, right? Because I'm constantly thinking of something. So when I'm meditating, I'm still asking God for those things. And I feel like that works, but what's your experience with, with that, with meditation and clearing your brain completely? I, has anybody else here been able to clear their brain completely from thought? Not me. <laughs> no. uh, it took me a long time to develop a, like a decent meditation practice mm-hmm. and it comes and goes like right now I've been doing it, but not as much. Um, there have been times that I've been doing it a lot more, but it's a practice, right? And, and part of meditation isn't that you're going to clear your mind. It's that you may have periods where you're not thinking, but eventually you're going to be thinking about something. And the goal is to return back to something that you can meditate on. A lot of apps are really helpful with that, Um, whether it's the Headspace app or 10% or there's other ones that are free that are really good. Um, And if you want to give one of those a shot and just, you know, set a timer for a minute and just try and focus on something like your breathing Mm. for a minute. And when you start thinking about something else, go back to your breathing. But anything can be meditative. I mean, you know, for a lot of people, like if you're a long distance runner, that's a type of meditation. If you do like a craft that just kind of requires you to do a thing over and over again for a long time, that's a type of meditation. My dad's real into Tai Chi. 
but he would never meditate. And he I makes like stained glass west windows. That would be a type of meditation, right? It's just about quieting your thoughts as much as you can so you can let something else in. Perfect. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Mandy, can I share with you something that helped me too with that? Well, two things. One, it was said to me, and I just love this, that even if my mind wanders like 10 times in like the three minutes or whatever, one minute, that's 10 different times that I get to redirect my thoughts back to God. So like, it's still like 10 opportunities to connect with God. And then the other thing it was said in my home group, because we just had a step 11 meeting and I loved it because he was like, people get so caught up in having to clear their mind for step 11 in this meditation. But if you read the book, it says nothing about clearing your mind. It says like, think, ask, consider, you know, so if we read the directions out of the big book, it doesn't actually tell us to do that. Now, I like what Kat said about like, in addition to, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it helps kind of take some of the pressure off that. Like, if I'm not clearing my mind, then I must not be connected. I don't know if that's helpful. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I like that. That was good. Anybody else? All right, cool. Well, I have some questions. So I've always kind of wanted to know this and I've heard things said, but I don't really know exactly what it is. Is it if we have the proper attitude and work at it, what is the proper attitude? What does that mean? Oh yeah. So the, I was talking about this the other night, right? So it talks about the proper attitude in a couple of places. Um, it talks about it in we agnostics towards the end and it talks about it in spiritual appendix. So let me find it and I will tell you. Okay, so step, it's on page 55. It's in the fourth full paragraph. It says, we can only clear the ground a bit. If our testimony helps sweep, sweep away prejudice, enables you to think honestly, encourages you to search diligently within yourself, then with, if you wish, you can join us on the broad highway. With this attitude, you cannot fail. The consciousness of your belief is sure to come to you. So Think honestly encourages you to search diligently within yourself, sweep away prejudice, right? So that's one. And then the other one is in like the last paragraph of the spiritual appendix. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. Does that help? Yeah, I'm writing it down. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Can you share? Because I loved how honest you were about the answer to the question. Am I thinking about myself most of the time is yes, because that's me. Um, And I have a friend who said like before I thought about myself 99.9% of the time. Now I think about myself about 98% of the time, which is maybe an exaggeration, but it's, it's kind of true and kind of funny. So what about your experience with being kind and loving toward all? Do you have anything? Yeah. I think that it's like several years ago, I was hanging out with my brother and he was like, we were talking about somebody who was having an issue with, and I was like, well, it's a blah, 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 blah. And I was talking about how I feel about them. And he was like, yeah, but you like everybody. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. That's not true. But it's weird that you think that, right? I think about being kind and loving towards all is it talks about patience, 
tolerance and, and lovingness, right? So patience with people who are kind of, you know, like they're, they're wearing on me, tolerance, even when I disagree with them or how they're behaving and, and lovingness, knowing like, what was I, I was talking to somebody about this and it's, it's just like, even when somebody is really acting in a way that I don't appreciate or doing stuff that I'm like, that's not right. Like, even when I go to have to talk to them about it, can I remember that I am a seriously flawed individual? And I have also probably demonstrated some version of what they're doing. And that at no point am I here to be like, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) It's like, I have messed up so much stuff and I have no high horse to speak from, right? Patience, tolerance, and lovingness, right? So have I been kind and loving towards all? I could be kind to people even when I don't care for hanging out with them or when I disagree with what they're doing, you know. And it's something that I have found happens in people who do the steps without them realizing it really, right? It's it's usually like it just happens and, and you don't notice it and other people do. And I think that as as you keep working through the program through the years, some of that, that stuff where you might, might've gotten snappy at somebody a couple of years ago, kind of falls off. Everybody's journey is different and everybody struggles with different things. So whereas I might be really good about being nice to somebody who's like wearing on my patients, other people may have a harder time with it. Like I haven't, I don't really get mad in traffic like at all. And that's happened for a long time. But other people have a, have a real struggle with it. It's not, you know, it's not a competition. It's not a mark of who's further along their spiritual path. Everybody's got different stuff that they're working on. But I don't, I feel like I just went around in a circle. No, that was, that was great. I love how you talked about the kindliness and, and tolerance. And what a great compliment, right? For your brother to say that you like everyone. I mean, <laughs> What I mean, a like, well, I'm have. glad I, yeah, I'm not showing how much I dislike people. So that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's an improvement. All right. Anybody else? Okay. So then my other question, <laughs> and you guys have to remember, I kind of do this a little bit for a living. So I'm prone to think of questions. So um, what is like dishonesty to yourself look like? Yeah. You oh, um, about my motives or about where my feelings are coming from or am I really doing the best that I can at this thing, especially in conflict. Sometimes I'll, I'll get like really mad about something or upset about something and I'll be like, well, they're just objectively wrong. Right. But it, it doesn't really matter. Right. Like, where is that coming from? Am I getting more worked up about that because of something else than I would if it were in a different situation? Mm am I really doing the best that I can at the things that I'm trying to do? If something's not going right, where am I to blame? And am I being honest with myself about that? But particularly with resentments and fear, resentments, especially I find like there's a lot of dishonesty usually within them because they usually come from somewhere else. Like I don't want to look at my part in this or, they're doing something that I do sometimes and I just don't, you know, so I'm getting extra mad about it. Or I'm afraid that this thing over here is going to shine a light on something over here that I'm worried about. 
it usually almost always comes back to something I'm, I'm really fearful or I'm really self-centered about. Um, and am I being honest with myself about that? I've literally just started, I'm reading the four agreements and again, and I'm on always do your best. And I've really had to start looking at that. Like, am I really doing my best with situations? And a lot of times it's no, and mm-hmm. I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's like the other thing that I've, I've thought about, like, is I may be saying these prayers, like while we're in step 11, I may be saying these prayers and asking for this help, but am I really meaning it? Right. Do I really want to have this removed? Do I really, or am I, am I really like, do I, I'm saying, I don't know. I don't know what to do, but really I know what God wants me to do. I just don't want to do it. Or I'm not listening to what God's telling me, which has happened plenty of times in, in my life. And, and I almost always pay for it dearly. So true. Yeah. My sponsor, I had 10 step something with her like a week ago and I was all on my high horse and heated about. And so I called her about it and, uh, and she's like, well, would, would, what if I said that, would you be this upset? And I was like, no, <laughs> Like if you say it, it's okay. But somebody else saying it, I think they're wrong. Oh, mm-hmm. and that's I also like yeah. myself out of resentment. I feel like step eleven is also a good like temperature taker. Like it's a good place like throughout the day. Like if I am getting real worked up about stupid things, or I'm just irritable for no real good reason. Like it's a good place to kind of center myself and keep in, a, a, in, a, in touch with those things so that, and sometimes it's stuff outside of my control. Like, you know, especially when I get real hormonal or whatever um, and PMSy, or I'm just not feeling good, you know, but even then I'm still, it's not an excuse. Like I still have these tools that I can use to help deal with it. Um, and that's, that happened a couple of, of weeks ago and I'm sitting, <laughs> sitting at a ski lift and there's all these people falling down at the ski lift. And I'm like, we're in like a back bowl that's all advanced territory. I'm like, you shouldn't be here if you don't know how to get on a ski lift. Like, I'm getting real mad about it. And I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, hormonal. Like, I realized that it was just hormones, that I was just being pissy. And I'm not usually, I don't usually feel like that about people who are, you know, whatever. Whatever they're doing, it doesn't matter. I don't usually get that judgmental. Yeah. All right. Any other questions before we wrap up? Because we're at the top of the hour. But this was great. Of course, I didn't expect anything less. Thank you, Kat, so much for joining us again. I'm going to put the link to her recovered episode in the show notes for the ladies on the call. It is on the Magdalene House website. You can just click on it. You guys have a great day. See you later. Thank you so much, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at MagdalenHouse.org. Thank you.